I was one of slumber parties. I was like, let's do some like weirdo shit. I think I was that person that was like the person that said yes immediately after you suggested it. Okay. Like I was never the suggester. I was just like, yeah, that'd be awesome. But like, I'm not going to say anything. And then like Julia would say it and I'd be like, yes. Oh, wait, sorry. That was loud. Um, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, you whatever. just described this podcast in like a nutshell. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I come up with bad ideas and Marion's is okay. Okay. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gore hounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college, in which we meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror movie section of our local video store, in our quest to learn how to survive and to ensure we end up as, as the, the final, final girl. girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking each movie down one by one, speaking out over all the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating the path to survival. Hello. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. We are the first podcast from Indie Popcorn recording here at the Circus. I am Julia. I'm Marion. This is episode 48. Uh, we're going to be discussing The Gate from 1987. And uh, the title of this episode is Demons Aren't Going to Ring the Doorbell. I think that's true. I think it's true. I think on whole, they tend not to ring the doorbell. No. Social norms manners probably demons. not demons wheelhouse no so much not their strong suit yeah definitely not destruction death um that's more or less a little rudeness perhaps oh, uh, a little mischief yeah they're casual with other people's feelings uh-huh. i think <laughs> a little flippant <laughs> a little flippant <laughs> flippant demon the single tear that demons bring out of what? people it's just what are we talking about don't know okay. um so, this, so. <laughs> the tagline for this film uh they have opened the gate pray it's not too late okay yeah so uh, it was made for $2.5 million, uh-huh. made 13.5. Oh, really? Is there sequels to the game? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Got it. Uh, so the the director for this, mm-hmm. Tibor Takas, mm-hmm. uh, did the, uh, this is the order, the gate, okay. and then I'm Madman, and then the gate too. Oh, okay. So it was like almost. Director came back. Okay. Uh, and then later, uh-huh. he did a movie that I know that you enjoy. Okay. <laughs> Mansquito. <sighs> Mansquito. Like that, yeah. Coronemic. If you guys, it's coronemic as. There's a shot in this movie, Terry, that I can't even. So like, Mansquito kills all of Coronemic's family, I believe, and then he comes and he like sees like what Mansquito hath wrought to his brood <laughs> and there's this like spitting shot up in the air that people do where he looks at all it looks at it all and it goes and it becomes overwhelming for him it goes mosquito and it's like this spitting oh, no. it's the best thing in the entire world <laughs> like i'm just saying it's so right on tibor yeah so he chose that camera move he did he did i'd like yeah i hope he did if not give that man something uh, uh so this is also uh written by michael nankin mm-hmm. who wrote another film that i enjoy mm-hmm. midnight madness oh really yeah. well, that's interesting which is a very well written fun and exciting film well and also i mean the premise of this movie i kind of really enjoy as far as like you know little things coming up with the reason why little things are going to be attacking children um and i really i like kind of how simple it is and it's sort of born out of like 80s kid suburban boredom Mm -hmm. that it's just like things where you're just like you know it's the same street it's the same backyards it's the same parties it's the same friends it's the same sleepovers but what if something that seems kind of mundane were to happen and were to sort of bring out this whole 
you know, this movie that's right. born out of it. And I think that's kind of cool and probably very timely um, for 1987. Sure. Uh, and um, Stephen Dorff, his mm-hmm. his feature film debut yeah. mm-hmm. as a little kid and um, <laughs> adorable little kid. He's pretty cute. Um, and in the first, uh, one of the very first shots of this film, I was like, oh, this film's Canadian. Do you know how I knew that? No. This is how fucking Sherlock Holmes I am. Really? There was a bottle of HP sauce on their breakfast table. And I was like, "Wow, Americans don't have that. That's but they're really not funny. speaking English accents, so they must be in Canada. That's really funny. How smart am I? Box checked. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Here's your, your stalker hat mm-hmm. and scene. Detective. <laughs> detective. Julia Marquesi, detective. Two songs. Um, so yeah, so Stephen Dorff is basically biking through his super 80s suburban neighborhood. And it's kind of got this kind of gauzy sort of... This this is most likely a dream uh, thing. And uh, it's funny. He's like, he. it reminds, actually, some of it, a lot of this movie has elements of poltergeist yeah, for me. Definitely. Okay, you feeling that? Uh-huh. Um, and one of it is, part of it is uh, in his sort of dream, he, nobody's home and he's sort of wandering around and there's this big kind of scary looking tree in the backyard. And then like lightning strikes the tree. Which is a great effect. Which is a very cool effect. And the tree kind of topples over and like uproots everything. Um, and then when he kind of wakes up, that has seemed, or something like that seems to have really happened. The tree seems to have fallen over and it creates this enormous hole because it's like the tree that's been in this backyard for like ever. And so when they're kind of taking it away, there's this enormous hole in your backyard. And I feel like any 12 year old boy would be like, sweet like it's like the most exciting thing that's happened in your backyard in a long time. Yeah. So he invites his friend over and I love him. How cool is the friend? The best. Amazing. Like, uh, this kid's amazing, you guys. Like, Terry. Uh, yes, Terry. Lewis mm-hmm. Tripp, who plays Terry, who's in only a handful of films. Oh, really? But, man, I mean, he's, like, he's he's so great because he's, like, super into heavy metal. Yeah. But he's, like, the least heavy metal-looking kid. He's, like, the biggest dork. Yeah. It's, like, if me at 12 were yeah. into heavy metal, That's you know? what's so great about yeah. it. It's, like, uh-huh. those are the but kids. But I'm hardcore about yeah. it, you guys, you know? Those are no, the kids you Marin. meet that are, like, yeah. yeah. You don't look metal, but inside That's you're heavy you're metal. Canadian heavy metal uh, <laughs> and and all so there's lots of the uh, canadian thrash band like homages in this film oh really so his jacket so uh-huh. he's got like his sweet jean jacket yeah with when like you're the first, cut off sleeves uh-huh the patches. and so the first time you see him uh it's uh venom which is the name of a canadian band oh okay then he has killer dwarfs uh-huh. another canadian band i thought this was all made up this oh is no all real and okay. then the record that they have later uh-huh. is an actual canadian thrash metal band the thing they go through and they're uh-huh. just like uh-huh sacrifice wow that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this movie's also like a love letter to Canadian thrash metal. That's, which is what cinema's been missing. So, you know, <laughs> so good. Well done. Well done, movie. Tibor's like, a box checked. <laughs> PSC you and Mansquito in 10 years. Um, uh, so, yeah. So basically, like, you know, so the boys kind of start digging around and they find this geode, like in the... A nice geode. A very nice geode, um, which you guys don't know is one of those, like, rocks that look like garbage on the outside and you crack it open and it's magical crystals on the inside um and i feel like we all dumped a ton of money on them back in the day um you bought one not that long ago well because also well i think also part of it is that most of the time you would see them already broken right and then i beautiful. bought one where i got to smash it that and was great. like how can you say no to that right. um and so the kid the boys are like freaking out about how cool this is and there's sort of this ominous purple smoke that kind of comes up from the hole but who is not interested in this hole or the geode or anything to do is alexandra mm-hmm. aka al um, who is Glenn, uh, that's Stephen Dorff's character's uh, big sister. And she's like fully in like, I'm a 15-year-old, almost 16. Keeps talking about she's almost 16. And she's they're at that kind of phase, that sort of sibling phase where like, 
he's 12, you're 15, and like you were playmates together, but now like the age gap is kind of at this weird time mm -hmm. where like he's a dork and yeah. like you want to go to the mall and he wants to like shoot rockets together. Right. And he always wants to call her Al and she's like, I'm Alexandra. Right. And so like that's sort of like the sibling dynamic, which I kind of enjoy more than the cliche you suck. No, you suck. Right. You know, which like there's a little bit of that in Critters, you know, where it's just like they just hate each other because siblings. And right. this is more like it's specific about their age dynamic. But there's kind of like a sadness to that where like you mm -hmm. used to be real close and this is like just beginning the part where you're growing apart. Yeah. Um, it's kind of but cool, realistic. You yeah. Know? A cool part to catch yeah. on film. She's so teenage, by the way. She is. That they actually have a shot of her. This has nothing to do with anything. Uh -huh. But they actually have a shot, shot of her going in her bedroom, looking at herself in the mirror and going, ugh. Yeah. Which is great, though. And I was like, okay, that's the kind of teenager she is. Yeah, Thanks. where you're just like, you're, yeah, you're like 15, and you're like not pleased with any of it. Like, yeah. no, mm -hmm. not not a fan. Yeah. But it's very small. It's done as a kind of like a throwaway thing, which I think is cool. So basically, like, she goes off to go do, like, mall things with the friends. Um, and the parents decide right around the time where the, the hole forms the backyard that they're going to go out of town for a long weekend. And they put Alexandra in charge of the boys, basically. And I like also, too, that there's Terry has this kind of dynamic where and you it kind of bears itself out later in the movie where he doesn't clearly doesn't have like a really happy home life yeah. and so he's that kid that's over at their house a lot because his house sucks because his mom just died mm -hmm. and uh, his dad is always out of town and yeah. there's like this little thing like tugged on my heartstrings he goes home at one point Terry, I totally what you're talking about mm -hmm. where, where he has uh, the note on, yeah. This is probably not what it's watching because oh okay uh, the note on the that's from his dad that's like I've gone away on business right and his dad spells business wrong <laughs> yeah. and I was like oh no when yeah. you're on a business trip and you can't spell business but the house is also like like no woman has entered into this house yeah, in a long time it's like the, you know the, the dishes are undone the garbage hasn't been taken out and he's just kind of looking through old and it's like endless fast food and pizza boxes because right. like the dad doesn't cook for him because the dad doesn't know how to do that and so like we never meet Terry's dad but we kind of see this stuff of his home life where and again for like sort of a best friend character in kind of a rando horror film again these are not the dynamics that are usually showcased it's usually like they're super funny or super quirky right. or they've got a you know weird haircut or something but you Terry's know? kind of fucked up yeah and like he he uh, captures a bunch of moths in a jar and is like let's let's see how long they can live without air and you know what I mean Which and like Glenn's like, like that's cruel man don't do that and yeah. he's like no let's do it and then like makes Glenn cry because yeah. the moths die in the jar as they will so, yeah. yeah no so then you're like okay these are the difference between these characters yeah but like they're you know but also that sense you i feel like i got that sense too that like they've been friends since like kindergarten right so like these kids probably aren't going to be friends in high school but like again they're at that age where like the differences are just really starting to show each other but it's you know again for these kind of movies it's a pretty rich friendship um all done very very quickly uh which i which i kind of admired um so the parents say that you can't under no circumstances are you to have a party while we're gone? And she's like, correct. Cue most 80s teenage party of all time with like crimped hair and a lot of pastel the and 80s. boom hey, boxes. The parents and... are out of town. Right. You got to throw a party. Yeah. My, bro I... my brother did it, by the way. Did you? Did you? In the 80s. <laughs> really? Yeah. But I was the little sister who was too young and had to stay in her you bedroom. You were Stephen Dorff? Yeah. Was, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was not brought out for a light as a feather stiff. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. board. Mm -hmm. But Stephen Dorff is. Yeah, he is. They because they it gets to that part of the party where they decide that they start telling ghost stories, and then this one sort of crazy girl was like, "Oh yeah, the light as a feather, stiff as a board. That's a thing you can really do it. Like if we all concentrate, if we all, which I love also too, because I always feel like there is that person in these movies. Like, no, no, you guys, 
we can really do it. Oh, I was can. that person. Were you? Yeah. I was one of slumber parties. I was like, let's do some like weirdo shit. I think I was that person that was like the person that said yes immediately after you suggested it. Okay. Like I was never the suggester. I was just like, yeah, that'd be awesome. But like, I'm not going to say anything. And then like Julia would say it and I'd be like, yes. Oh, wait, sorry. That was loud. Um, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, you whatever. just described this podcast in like a nutshell. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I come up with bad ideas and Marion's is okay. Okay. Um, sounds but, like fun. But this, this, uh, version yeah. goes quite badly yeah or well if you're into it this is what happens to him is what i prayed would happen when of we course. tried it and man it just it never did it would have ruined the party you realize i mean this ruins the party right like you don't realize but how why much does of it a, have to ruin the party why can't it be like that was incredible well, when you Best smash two lights and then are just like flung around a room i mean fair and then everybody else is like no it was cool yeah, I but, know they're also nonchalant about. It. Well, I guess we should probably tell these people what actually happens. Uh, uh, he flies around. He, he smashes some lights. Basically, yeah, they do the light as a feather, stiff as a board. They're trying it with other teenagers, but like they're too heavy, and so they see Glenn, and they're like, "Yeah, let's try it with him." And he just keeps going. Like they can pick him up, and they're like, "Oh, it's going well, well." And then he keeps floating, and then he freaks out basically and starts crying, and um, lights smash and all this stuff, and he goes running up to his room, and the other teenagers are like, Ugh. "All right, I guess party's over." And they treat it very like, eh, no big deal. That was weird. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Or like, I, I think one of the kids says that it was like some sort of like illusion. He was like, nah, that wasn't real. That was an illusion. Like, what are you talking about? You like, saw this, him a float. kid floated. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Um, and they're yeah, nonchalant, not meh. impressed. Yeah, I think also too. There's definitely this movie has that dynamic where the teenagers are with the and like Al's going this way, and then she comes back the other way, where they're not paying attention it's almost mm-hmm. like what people sort of would accuse of would accuse teenagers today of or like millennials or whatever of like you're being you're so on your phone like you don't know what's really going on right. but like these kids in the 80s are fully those teenagers we're like they're not until it's like smashing them in the face everything that they see that most people horror movie survival guide weird would be like mm, that seems weird i don't know about that they just ignore totally like no matter what's going on they're just like nah definitely not until like the scariness really comes home to roost i um love so 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 okay so we have the the summer party mm-hmm. then terry has a nightmare right in which he's with his mom again yeah like his mom like comes like he goes up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night or something and his like dead mom again with like that gauzy effect yeah, like, i thought it was kind of, it was kind of pet cemetery too a little bit it in was. which you have mm-hmm. a mom like turning into yeah. a dog mm-hmm. Yeah, because he like sees his mom at the door and he's like, come, let's hug and it'll all be wonderful. And he does. And then all of a sudden the mom, as he's like hugging her, I think Glenn comes down. I can't remember. But like he kind of really looks at the mother and she's Glenn and Al's dog now Mm -hmm. dead. Mm -hmm. And he's like, like hanging on to this dead dog in the foyer, which is kind of horrific. Like it's they milk this dead dog. They do for for all, all it's, it's worth, worth. <laughs> like like more than pet cemetery focuses on dead yeah. dogs this mm-hmm. movie focus on dead dog you're like angus so much time on angus yeah so, poor angus yeah dead. but sorry um uh, but then so, he just goes home after that yeah yeah and then they they talk the like the asshole boyfriend owl's kind of like mm-hmm. asshole boyfriend into taking the body to the vet like right because no- the other teenage girls want to go to the mall and she's right. like i think i have to take the dog to like the animal shelter or somewhere where you take dead dogs and uh and they're like no that's lame come to the mall with us instead and she's like eh, i think i have to and they're like well steve will do it or whatever and so he's like all right and so he's just drives off in his jerk convertible with like eric a, 
Eric with his, his like, you know, with his dead dog, like in the front seat. But there's seat. no way that that guy would do that. Definitely That's not. so much effort yeah. for like a girl you're I feel barely like Billy seeing. Zane would be more likely yes. to do that in like yeah. Critters. Yeah, for sure. But this guy like. You, he was super 80s, like boyfriend jerk. Yeah, he eats when Glenn is like sad about his dead dog. He like snakes his cereal and eats his cereal. Right. That's yeah, fucked yeah. up, man. Don't no. eat some like sad kid cereal. <laughs> I know. But zero cares. But like the animal shelter is closed, yes. so he has to take it back. And luckily, there's just this hole in the backyard. There's this hole in the backyard. How convenient! And at the same time, Terry is reading. What's the band that you said again? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. He's doing his sweet. This might be my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, it's really his sweet lip sync number. Yeah, where he's like alone in the house, and like so he's just gonna turn the music up loud and just right. like sing sing stuff. Where mm-hmm. he starts to go, oh. Hang on a second. Yeah, what I'm talking about seems pertinent to the events that have just transpired. This hole sounds with familiar. The hole. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so he's he's the one who kind of first realizes that the that the hole is a, might be a portal, and there might be something more going on to it. But a certain number of things need to happen. One of which includes like a sacrifice, and that's coincidentally when Eric has just dumped the body of the dead dog in the hole. So mm-hmm. the sacrifice and the glowing and the right. whatever. So they've already like given it blood because uh, Stephen Dorff got a splinter and bled into it and so they right. it needs two sacrifices and then like it can cre- they can create their hell on earth right exactly yeah and i and and then the what's funny when the later when the teenage girls come back and like stuff and and al comes back because she kind of felt bad about like ditching her brother because like you know i mean glenn is obviously i think meant to be our hero but he's pretty he's a little boy but right. he's also like pretty wussy in this movie where basically anytime anything bad happens he always wants to call their parents. And right. Hal's like, no, I'm not calling mom and dad. I don't want to call mom and dad, please. I think calling so your parents trouble. if the dog dies is a pretty legitimate. Fair, fair. Yeah. But when your sister has just had a party the night before, yeah. I mean, probably that's, yeah. So basically, like, he immediately wants to call the parents again when, like, the hole starts making noises and they try and cover it and the cover doesn't stay on and it's smoking and doing all the things. And she comes back with her jerk friends. And Terry has this line that I really like. Um where uh, they say, where he says, where they're like, you know, what's going on? And he says, uh, we accidentally, like totally nonchalantly, we accidentally sum- summoned demons who used to rule the universe to come and take over the world. Serial bite. Like, yeah. just like, yeah. sorry, you know, call it a Sunday. I <laughs> like her, her friends who have the purple streak in their hair, so you know that they're cool. Yeah. And then they later put a purple streak in her hair. Yeah. So she'll be cool. Yeah. Because they have another slumber party then. And at this point, like, you know, the movie's nearly halfway through and there's so much brother-sister dynamic, like, the relationship of that. And we have yet to see a demon. Nope. Like, it's this is definitely kind of one of those movies that is very precious with, like, when you see them, how you see them, the reveal of them. And it's not, like, part of the movie throughout. It's like a... It's like a halfway point and the last half of the movie will yeah. be about this. But it's not what the first half of the movie is about at all. But they're going to they're gonna make you wait for it. They but did. I, I feel like it's worth the wait. I feel like the effects in this movie are beyond what they should be yeah Mm -hmm. so you know i think also too because the when you do eventually see them they do it a lot more with like forced perspective Mm -hmm. then so it's a little bit more of the sort of early lord of the rings tricks than it is that green screen stuff which like as we talked about with some of the anthology films doesn't always work out so successfully just the demon character design is really cool looking and the fact that they have because like the thing with demons is like you're never super clear on what their powers are, right? And I feel like this one does some really fun stuff with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they oh, uh, and also do fun stuff. You mean like before they even show up as yeah. well, right? With like the phone the melting, phone melts, and then like ter- like they're they have that kind of fun scene where like Terry is spending the night yet again because his house sucks, and uh, 
uh, Al comes in because Glenn's kind of had a bad dream and they go to wake Terry up and then Terry walks in. Yeah. He's like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, what? And they flip open the covers and it's the dead dog. Yeah. And he's back in the bed. So it's like that thing where rather than just the demons springing out of their hole and immediately making mischief, almost like critter style, it's like a bit more of the like they have sort of like omnipotent powers where they can like do stuff to like mess with your head before we reveal ourselves and that kind of reminded me more of like the poltergeist kind of thing even though they're demons as opposed to ghosts it knows what scares you right yeah it's gonna be your mom or it's gonna be right your dead dog so it's less like i'm gonna eat you like definitely gonna kill you later but part of the joy of it for them is like that terror we're gonna terrorize you so so the so how far into the your head can the demon go because like they they talk about earlier in the movie that Terry had told Glenn this scary story about they had built this house and a workman was left yeah. dead in the walls mm-hmm. and then like it comes true and yeah. it's just, just like a story that he had made up. Well and the same thing true with the parents right because right. Glenn constantly wants to call the parents because like that's where safety is that's where everything will be okay and then the parents come home but they're like zombie parents mm-hmm. and like the one super gross scene in this movie is like zombie dad like picks Glenn up and he like stuffs his thumbs in his eyes yeah. and like this white goo comes out yeah. um, you said it that was good pretty gross yeah I wrote it down uh, so okay. uh, I was ready for it this time you wrote down white goo yeah pretty much gross. Um, and uh, and but like and the, but it like totally sabotages his whole sense of what safety is right and so if part of this like if Glenn's gonna be kind of the final kid in a sense where like you have to kind of grow a pair to yeah. like survive the movie like I think that's kind of a seminal moment for him where it's like the thing that you think is safety like we talk about with Nancy and Nightmare mm-hmm. and these other movies where like no one's going to come save you yeah like it's not going to be your sister it's not going to be your parents and when you accept that that's when you can achieve your like final person status well that's why Glenn has to be kind of a wuss in the beginning because mm-hmm. he's got to like ramp up to like right. be our hero and, yeah. and win in the end you right know? but I just like that like sort of the metaphor of like your parents aren't going to save you is so obvious in yeah. this movie you know it's like okay great like you know just no subtlety about it at all like zombie parents are coming nope they're not going to save you you have to kind of do their eyes out and then go back to like the surviving part of it um and and so they eventually terry figures out we have the record they're going to play the record backwards and have the ceremony and I, i love the idea that the the record is the exact spell that they need just happens yeah. to be the exact uh-huh. one. I'm like, all right, I buy it. I also like too that they kind of also feel like they're like, well, what's the opposite of like, uh, you know, demon metal band uh, side of record thing that we could read to close the whole Bible? Let's yeah. just read something for the Bible. And they're just and like, like picking random, random verses. Random things, yeah. That they're just like, well, this is probably important, I guess. You know, just like picking random verses. But the Bible goes wrong and yeah. Terry falls into... Gets sucked into the hole, yeah. The gate. The gate. Well, and also that's when you, I think you really see the demons in their full glory. Yeah. And I would like the combination of this forced perspective, but there's a lot of stop motion in this too. Mm-hmm. I think some successful stop yeah. motion and I really like that. And I, I think that's too. a good idea. Cause it's, I think I read later that it's like women or something in like these little suits running around, like being the demons or whatever. <laughs> women. Um, it's just, yeah. Like running around <laughs> being like, they're just trying to get small people to like run around and like okay, be in these it. like ridiculous suits. Yeah. Um, and like make crazy. It doesn't look like people in suits. Yeah. Which is uh, impressive. Yeah. Because I also think they never did like demon close up. Right. Like you only saw the demons from the perspective of the adults or, or the perspective of the grown people, like mm-hmm. like children or, you know. So you never went down and had like demon cam or no. demon close up or demon, you know. Right. So they're always far away. So it's always that. So I, I don't think you get into that shaky territory of like you're seeing the seams or the right. zipper or the shoes or the, you know. I think they do a good job of that. And there's just so many of them, too. 
Uh, so Terry gets bitten several times yeah. by the demons, uh, but apparently getting bitten by a demon does nothing to you. Like it hurts like you're getting bitten, but it's not um, like mm-hmm. poisonous yeah. or gives you any no. powers. Or... It's just inconvenient. Okay. I think. Yeah. Yeah. De- demon rules. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Because they also do too. They they do kind of that stuff too where they're, he's trying to get out of the hole and they all kind of like collectively gang up to like pull him back in. There's sort of like a, like a chain of demons trying to drag his foot back in. Like they all work together. Um yeah, but I, again, I don't think the... I think for these little little creatures in this movie, it's not the ability of the little creature. It's like they have powers beyond their size. Right. And I think that's an interesting idea for your little creature because I think, again, often where it strays into silliness is this, you know, like, I mean, just like kick it or just, you know, right. it's so little. Like, come on, you know? Um, but because they have these sort of supernatural powers, the size is like the least of it, mm-hmm. you know? That just happens to be the form that they have. But it's not... I mean, even if they were like Tim Curry legend demon, the powers would be the same. Right. You know, like it's really about their powers and the get inside your head thing, which I think is kind of a cool idea. So Terry gets out of the hole. Mm -hmm. They hoof it back into the house. Uh, where bursting out of the wall comes the workman. The workman. Mm-hmm. And the, that's what I think when I really realized that this is all just about they got in these kids' heads yeah. and they made up, you know, because like that really wasn't a thing. But it's like the workman falls out, grabs Terry, drags him back through the wall, and the wall reseals itself. And then you can hear him like real far away. Yeah. Ca- screaming. Screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, for Glenn, stuff of nightmares, right? right? It's like the worst thing ever. And so same thing happens to Al. Like she's downstairs like fighting the good fight because uh, kind of demon ter- ter- Terry has now kind of come out of a closet. Yeah. And she's fighting oh, and like struggling. like rat Terry. He's yeah. Like, I don't. Yeah. Just sort of super so scary. So is it really Terry or is it just the demons showing them Terry? I kind of felt it was the demons showing them Terry. Okay. Like because Al didn't have like she wouldn't know who that workman is, I think. Right. I think the idea of like her little brother's best friend being this horrifying creature would be worse for her, okay. I think. Or maybe it could have been her the little boy, the boyfriend guy. I don't know. But like something in her head that would be just like extra, you know? Right. Um, but she does this crazy thing that I was like, wow, well done, choice O weapon, where she takes the Barbie doll. Oh, yeah. Do you remember this? And she like separates the legs and uses like, you know, because Barbie's foot, boys, you may not know this, is always in that arched position of it's having like to wear pointed. high heels. Yes. So she like, you know, separates the legs and uses the pointy toe thing to like stab his in the eye. Yeah. And it, the foot and her hand are all bloody from it. I'm like, wow. It that's... would definitely work. I'm like, did a yeah. man write that? Because that's, if so, you must have children because you would never figure that out. That's like, girl, only girls know that, you know? Well, um, the the, uh, the the wow moment mm-hmm. uh, for me in, in this film is when you have the workman comes out of the mirror and it's like coming for them and yeah. they throw a stereo at his face yes. I think uh-huh. in the face um, but the, the shot the money shot in this film yeah. of the workman falling forward and then smashing into the demons yeah. is like worth the price of admission it's alone it's a really good effect like I will say that I, feel I like, could watch a gif of that yeah. endlessly it's yeah. amazing yeah no it's a, it's a really good effect um, and I also think too it plays into this idea more for the kids that like you don't really know what you're battling yeah like you don't really know like it keeps kind of changing forms and the ability keeps changing and, and you it can, don't they can unite to be a bigger thing right and i also think too that like you having to manage your fear as much as physically defeating 
the thing is kind of a cool idea. And it's like, frankly, a really challenging idea for kids. If yeah. kids are your heroes, like that's, it's one thing for adults to be like, okay, it's not real. It's, or even teenagers, but like most of our heroes in this movie are kids, like little kids. So, yeah. so it's not only like you have to battle it, but it's also going to be the thing you fear most yeah. and like come at you at some crazy angle. Well, and also the, remember they have that crazy scene too, where, you know, after sort of uh, that whole bit um, and Glenn's kind of the only one left because, um, Al's been dragged into the wall. Terry's been dragged into the wall. Al's the only one left. And there's that crazy part where, you know, more crazy things are happening. He looks in his hand and there's the eyeball in his hand. Yeah. Which just like undoes little Stephen Dorff in a way that would because it like it makes no sense. But it just screws with your head. And like, what is that? Whose eye is that? Is that my eye? Do I have both my eyes? And a third eye? Like, what's happening right it's now? It's like the big, de- the big demon's eye, right? Yeah. Like, now it, like, it can will watch, watch you. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents' is. dog went berserk <laughs> really? when that demon came on screen. He was just trying. The big one that kind of comes up from the, from the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was not having that Yeah. One. With, like, his little T-Rex arms, uh-huh. like, in the shoulders. Well, mm-hmm. he's got, like, several pairs, and yeah. just some of them are useless. Just little extra ones that hang out for fun. Oh, T-Rex. Um, but, yeah. and But I... But the other kind of like kind of gross, scary part of it is that when I think Stephen Dorff is trying to kind of figure out how to kill it, what do I do? And he has a lot of fails in this yeah. where he's like, you know, really kind of ginning himself up. And then like he gets too scared and he can't do what he's supposed to do or he's got his like rocket. and He's like, OK, I'm going to shoot the rocket. And then he gets too scared and he can't. But he has this kind of sort of like come to Jesus moment where <laughs> he does like, I don't think he really knows why, but he he's, finds a piece of broken glass and he decides to stab the eye in his hand mm-hmm. with the broken piece of glass. And it's one of those crazy things where, you know, on some level, he doesn't really know what that's going to do mm-hmm. practically. Because like shooting a rocket at a giant demon, getcha. Like, right. we know what that does. But like, but I think it's sort of mu- meant to be much more metaphorical. And also it's like that could really hurt you, but... What choice do you have? Right. You know what I mean? So it's like you've got to make the big sacrifice if you want to face this thing that's just kind of crazy. Yeah. And its abilities. To, you have to give, you know, Glenn credit because like you think about he's a kid, man. Like yeah. and he's facing mm-hmm. off against some gnarly stuff. And like he mm-hmm. doesn't always make the right choice, but ultimately has like the courage to do it. Yeah. Um, where we get into the uh, the bottle rocket of love and light is where it loses me. Yeah, agreed. A little bit. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Also, too, like when he finally does shoot the rocket off and uh, yeah, and the demon sort of absorbs the rocket mm-hmm. and then it explodes into fireworks. Right. Um, I was a little and it's sort of it's like cascading her mm-hmm. glittery spark, but it's all it's, kind love, of, it's love and light, man. Yeah. And I was like, okay like i would think it's uh, a demon yeah. it would just be like Bleh, you know like uh, i don't know if i buy that a bottle rocket would kill the giant demon but it's like i'm gonna beat your metaphor with my metaphor right. i get it it's, it's like it's off. like my heart is pure right and yours is trash right and i get it but yeah a little bit of a uh anticlimactic yeah uh, i think also too when you see these climaxes and you kind of mouth fireworks to yourself but maybe that's not a win no <laughs> like maybe but then i'm not. confused by it because then he does that and then it, we, we snap to terry and al and angus yeah the dog all back all fine all fine yeah so is it like a pet cemetery thing where they're like back from the dead or is it like none of this ever happened or is it made like they've reversed time 
I think it's like you can undo it all. Okay. I think it's that because I think, and I, too, I think too, this whole thing, I don't think it's a pet cemetery thing. I think this, the gate and everything that happens to the kids in the gate is meant to be like you're on this other level where it's not practical. Right. Like you can undo all of this if you believe that you can. Mm-hmm. But if you take these things and face value the way that you're presented, the demons have won. Okay. So it's a little bit like Nancy turning her back. Right. Like, that's bonkers in like the real world, but like the but it's meant to be very much a metaphor. Like if you take the power away from it by not believe by believing in your abilities more than it, like you win. Right. And the win is then you get everyone back. Like sort of Nancy says the other thing, like she wants all of them back. Right. Like she's like, no, I don't want to live in a world where all these people are dead. Like, no, thank you. I don't want that. Um, and please bring back my dog as well. Correct. Yeah. Which for 12 year old boy totally makes sense. Yeah. Of course he wants his dog back. And you then know? the parents come home and they're like, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. And I kind like, of destroyed the house a little kind bit. Kind of destroyed the house. Yeah. But I also like that sort of the end of the movie is left with the kids and the house is kind of charred and the kids are just kind of sitting on the front stoop being like, wow, what a weekend. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's, that's the movie. Um, and so, how, yeah. where, do, where do you go from there? I don't I mean, know. Oh, gate two, I guess. We, I, I was going to say, yeah. I don't you think Stephen Dorf's back for gate two. Okay. So. It's like a different hole in a different backyard. See, if it was all about Terry. I, I will be that on board. That would be really cool. Well, maybe it is. What maybe if it is it about is. Terry? He 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 really stands out to me. Like he, he like cool. joined my pantheons mm-hmm. of favorite horror characters. No, he is really cool. Along with Radish and Randy and whatnot. Because it's so unexpected. When uh-huh. you get the unexpected ones, that you're like, what is that kid's deal? That, I in love the it. script, it was like, this kid is the most like hardcore heavy metal kid ever. And, and then, then they cast, cast that guy. Yeah, and no. I'm like, yes. Maybe it's just really well, good casting. Like well done casting director. Um, I would so, wear the All About Terry shirt, just putting it out there. He's he's great. He looks so cool. All the levels. Yeah. No, he's amazing. Um, so gore factor. Uh, one, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, a bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. And we gave this a two and a half, uh, which is sort of in between a puddle of blood and enough blood to gross out the average viewer. I think it's the eye hand thing. That's pretty gnarly. That's pretty gnarly. And weirdly gnarly. I don't know why that made me go like so because, much. Because like, I feel like it's like such a like specific nightmarish image where yeah. you would look down and see that and like this eye looking at you and... I've, I also, never, I think I've never had that nightmare, but I can see how you could. I think it's also things in eyes are tough for people. Yeah. So like a piece of glass in an eye, it's mm-hmm. not good. No. That, that's not good. So the movie rating, uh, one, chainsaw, chainsaw if you're desperate. Two, a barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. Five, fantastic oracle. I gave The Gate three and a half. So seen, seen worse, seen better, mm-hmm. and a little bit more. Yeah, and I gave it a, a two and a half. Um, which is which is barely qualifies as a horror film and seen worse, seen better. But my extra chainsaw is for Terry. I mean, fair, yeah. And and no, the shot a- of the workman falling into the monsters, which I really no, it think is that is, is a really cool effect. Yeah, it's again, and that's also a stop motion effect, I mm-hmm. think too. And like, I just it's I miss because sometimes they don't work, and sometimes you're like, yeah. wow, well, that was really cool. It's just a good idea too. It's a really good idea. In fact, I think I like that shot more than when they have the big bad. Yeah, me when too. When they show him at the end and like his full demon form, yeah. I'm like I kind of like because that creature kind of looked like the. I don't know if you remember the creepy little uh, like two-headed dragon things that they had in Willow. Mm. Um, it kind of looked a lot like that to me. It was um, feeling kind of Clash of the Titans to me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but that effect was like super awesome. So you can find us on all nine um, on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And we're also on Google Play and Stitcher. iTunes and Stitcher and all the good things. Yeah. So uh, you've all been very 
responsive on our Twitter. We yeah, love it. It's and, been a lot of fun. Uh, so tell us what you think about Terry because uh, there's got to be other Terry fans out I there. I hope there's more Terry love out there because maybe that it's amazing. just us. Maybe we're just like we're in the radish camp where like <laughs> it's true. just like it's us. But we educated the world. We and do. So and I now feel they like know. there's more. Okay. Yeah. So we just well, got to get them more on Team Terry. Right, Terry? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Ding. We love you, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, continuing with our mini monsters. Um, we have an interesting one, huh. uh, a very famous one, 1984's Ghoulies, uh, which does something else with this, and we will get into that then. <laughs> Can you tell how Marion feels by her tone of voice? Because your she the sounds a little just went up. Trepidatious <laughs> would be the word. Yeah, that is the word. It's um, a good word. Yeah, it is a good word. We'll um, see you next week. Yeah, trepidatious. <laughs> Bye, guys.